This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the BBC Good Food podcast with me, Miriam Nice. In this episode, I'm speaking to my friend, Gotlin Wan, and listen to this. He is a best-selling author, TV chef, martial arts expert and presenter, friend of the podcast, because we had him over on the Rookie and Nice series, so do go back and listen to that if you haven't. And today, he's talking about his favourite dish, Peking roast duck. Welcome to the podcast, Gotlin. Thank you for having me again. Great. Um, Gotlin continues to share his family's passion through his articles, radio interviews, live demonstrations at food festivals and TV work. Um, so good to see you in person because I think it was virtual last time we spoke. Yeah, I think it was, was it lockdown? I think yeah, probably. So, yeah. Uh, I mentioned a little bit about kind of how, how you started in the work that you're doing. Tell us a bit about how you got into cooking and how it's led you to where you are now. Um, yeah, well, mom and dad had a restaurant, so it was kind of inevitable that I was going to move into the family business, I guess. So, yeah, I don't remember a time when I wasn't involved in food or been around food. Um, granddad came over, um, I think it was in the late 50s, opened Leicester's first restaurant in 62. Mom and dad, well, obviously dad, and then he opened a restaurant with my mom. And yeah, and as children, we grew up in the restaurant and Chinese food has pretty much been my entire life. So no, like one particular moment, just always No, around. no, literally. I mean, even to a point of where my parents bought their second restaurant with li- living accommodation above, so we would be part of the restaurant all of the time. Mm-hmm. So um, when it got busy, we literally, they had a phone, internal phone system, and they'd ring up and say, we're really busy now, says, can you give us a hand? And we'd probably be in our pyjamas, you know, just finished school. We'll have to, put, to throw some clothes back on again and go and work in the restaurant. But, you know, that's, that's, you know that was, that's the life of living within a family business. So, And I wouldn't change a Thing. Back in the time, back at you know when it all happened, I was like, oh, you know, I really don't want to be doing this. I'm tired and I've got homework to do. But looking back now, what a life! You know, we had like fried rice on tap, 
And yeah, we were spoiled. We were spoilt with food, spoilt with drinks. Did you get to eat together? Like, did you eat downstairs in the restaurant together at any point? Um, at the weekend. So we always made a big deal about staff dinner. And staff dinner was always at the end of the night. So this would be 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And this is where sort of like all, the customer, all the customers had gone. The, the chefs would have created this fantastic meal and would sit and eat as a group. So, I mean, I guess it is family because, I mean, obviously, obviously my mum and dad, my brother and my sister and myself were there. But then obviously we had the waitresses, we had the chefs, we had, you know, whoever else was working in the restaurant. And, you know, it, it was amazing and brilliant. And then afterwards we do this, you know, we'd take all the staff home. And that was part of the evening. I used to love that part of the evening. Oh, that sounds really, really lovely. Um, so describe a bit more about the kind of food that you were you were sharing, that you were eating. Okay, well, it just depended because obviously when on, on the weekend, especially with sort of like we had um, English waitresses or waiters, um, you know, okay beef, you know, shredded ch- crispy chilli beef, you know, Peking duck if we were lucky, you know, if the chef was being extravagant and we had some duck left over. Um, and then obviously that was mixed with the more traditional, so obviously pig's trotters, which I was never a big fan of, but the Chinese quite like gelatinous food you know they like it quite sort of like chewy and there's a little bit of substance to it and then even the clear soups I mean one of the things I remember actually there was, there was this, a dessert and it was made from a red bean mm-hmm. and it would be flavoured with orange peel um, and would have that at the end of the meal so rather than like an ice cream you'd have this red bean soup with orange peel through it which sounds really weird but it's really really nice oh, that sounds really good did anyone like teach you like specifically how to cook or do you just pick it up by kind of osmosis yeah I was kind of like a monkey see monkey do kind of thing and it really was that so obviously um, I was quite shy and reserved as a child so I would always go and work in the kitchen so whether that was washing the pots or peeling the carrots and onions or chopping the meat and obviously, as I got older, I'd move on to the wok. So you always start off with frying the rice. Well, you actually, you start off with frying. So you get the baskets, and as the food comes through, the orders come through, you'll fry. And then you get over to the wok station, that's fried rice. And eventually, you get onto the main woks where you're cooking all of the dishes. And that's kind of like, it was just a natural progression for me. Um, I started working in the restaurant probably as young as 11 or 12 years old. So by the time I was 16, I was on the woks. Amazing. What did your friends think about it? Well, what friends? Because <laughs> we were working all the time. Of course, yeah. So, yeah, so it was one of those, you know, we worked all the time. So, obviously, I saw my friends at school, but during yeah. the holidays and weekends and in the evenings, I, I didn't see my friends because I was at the restaurant working. So, yeah, but that's just the life of a family-run business, for, for children of a family-run business. And I think if you can speak to any BBC, mm-hmm. so BBC stands for British-born Chinese, who grew up in a Chinese restaurant or a takeaway, their life was pretty much exactly the same. And I've spoken to other Chinese, you know, half Chinese and Chinese children of that era, and they had exactly the same lifestyle as I did. Mm-hmm. What do you tell your kids about it and what do they think? I'm saying how lucky they yeah. are. <laughs> so, you want to go out, do you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they've got boyfriends and they go out when they want to go out. And, you know, they've, they've, they've never had to worry about going out and working mm. because you know they just they just don't at this age i think it's you know i mean like for us children i mean we were working at a young age but i don't think you can't even get a part-time job now until they're 16 can they so yeah it's different what have you chosen as your favorite dish and what makes it so special to you so this dish is something that you only have if you're being really extravagant or um it's a celebration, so a wedding or a birthday or an anniversary, and it's my Peking roast duck. Now, the Peking roast duck, it, there's a 24 to 48-hour process just to get the duck ready before roasting, um, and then it's got the crispiest skin you've ever had, which is served separate to the meat. 
um, and you have it with a soft pancake and hoisin sauce and mixed vegetables. So it's very similar to the shredded crispy duck, mm-hmm. but this is the posh version of it. This is a celebration. Um, this, this is this is the one that, you know, if you want to see the caliber of a good Chinese chef, let him cook ro- um, Peking roast duck and see how good it is. And what kind of memories does it evoke for you when you eat it? Um, weddings. Weddings really? and celebrations. So, you know, whenever we sort of like you went to a family wedding or we got invited anywhere, Peking roast duck, if it was on the menu, you knew it was a good wedding. <laughs> and I think you mentioned when we asked you about it in the email that, you know, you had it at a wedding and it was on a table with like a lazy Susan. That's right. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't know what a lazy Susan is, it's this round. So you, we're sitting around a round table now. I know you guys, you can't see. But in the middle of this round table, there'd be a smaller round table that spins. So as the food was put down, if you wanted something, you would spin the table just a centerpiece and it would the food would come closer to where you were and you could take a piece off it um the etiquette of chinese food is that you only take enough that you're going to eat so you don't fill your bowl or your plate you take a piece at a time and that's what you know so that's why it's imperative that you can get to the food that you want as on the that's on the opposite side of the table that's so good i think i remember the first time i saw one as a kid i think my sort of dinner party obsessed mind was just blown i was like this is the coolest thing <laughs> it's cool as a kid you sit in yeah. the middle of it and spin, spin it around, around. <laughs> So, as fast as you can without being told off. Yeah, yeah we get told off all the time. So, <laughs> um, Do you serve like special dinners like this? Do you serve them on the table or do you plate up and bring it through? So even when I cook a standard British roast dinner, mm-hmm. I always do it where people can help themselves and put as much on their plate as they want. Yeah. So um, I think it's just the etiquette that I've been, you know, I grew up with. And also as well, sometimes when you plate the food, you know, some you know, obviously greedy people like me. I want to fill my plate. I want to see loads of whatever on there, loads of gravy. But other people, it, it puts them off if you overpile. So therefore, we do it like a buffet style, I guess. Yeah. And um, so everybody gets a plate, and they sort of like go around the counter, and they can take as much meat and as much vegetables, as much rice and gravy that they want. So um, I tend to do a lot of my food like that. And do you have any like twist or variation on this um, dish, or like? Is it just a method that's just say the same and keep yeah, I think classic? It's, yeah, to be honest, I think it's too good to change. <laughs> and I mean, you could obviously, you know, I always have mine with hoisin sauce. I know people like the plum sauce mm-hmm. and plum sauce is a lot sweeter. But I think, you know, obviously the sweet and the savoury work together. I prefer it with the hoisin. You've got that background umami sort of sweetness coming through. I think the plum sauce is just sweet. Yeah. And you 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 lack a little bit of that in, you know, the depth of flavour, I think, personally. Um, you could, if you wanted to be really, I mean, like, you know, I'd love Peking duck on top of rice and soy sauce. That'd be amazing. <laughs> like, really good. Like, the best roast duck you can ever think of on top of, you know, a fresh plate of boiling, you know, boiled rice and some nice green veggies. And have you had the sweet soy sauce that they do with the roast duck? No. So it's not just your standard soy sauce. So it's actually a mixture of light soy sauce, dark soy sauce, a little bit of sugar and a tiny bit of oil. Okay. And that's the sauce that they make that goes over the roast duck. So I think on Peking duck and rice would be amazing. That sounds delicious. Um, And if there were to be any leftovers i don't really understand why they would be but if there were what would you suggest so if there's any leftover meat um you could put them through a nice spring roll or a fried rice or something like that um obviously the carcass because when we roast the duck it's there's five spice there's ginger there's spring onion there's everything in the cavity yeah that would make a really nice stock so if you cook that down and just had it as a nice soup base. And if you wanted to be really posh, you could make a consomme, which I'm not going to go through the process of making a consomme. Google it, please, people. Um, but you could make it a re- be a very rich, very depthy kind of clear soup you could make. And you could put, put it with noodles, put it with wontons, put it with 
a bit of rice, to be quite honest. Clear clear soup over rice is really nice. It sounds weird, mm-hmm. but just like you would like have a bowl of noodles, put yeah. your soup over the top of it and eat it. It's amazing. Another amazing dish and very traditional. I like that we just like we've asked you for a favorite recipe. We're just kind of stealing some oh, extra ones. Yeah, just like, there's loads. Something like you know, a favorite. It's asking me to choose my favorite child. I know it's, it <laughs> so. is neat. The premise of this podcast is quite mean. Like, what's your favorite? One? Pick one. Um, I often make yeah, I often make a stock from say like the a chicken um, carcass and something like that. But then I just put it like with some water and then some other spices and leave it to kind of bloop away I think me and my husband have a bit of an argument as what a gentle simmer is so I can often see him turning the hob down or up or whatever um is that the same kind of thing in your house like do you have a a set way of doing it if I'm cooking leave me alone (laughs) if Joe's cooking I interfere (laughs) so I can't help it and she's a fantastic cook as well I think that's just the I was taught that way so like you know even if I work if I go into the kitchen with my dad my dad will look even to this point you know, even to this day now, tell me I'm washing the rice wrong. Tell me I'm peeling the carrots wrong. Even though I'm doing exactly how he taught me 40 odd years ago, whatever it's been. So uh, that's just my dad. I think that's just the way that I am as well. It's not that we're being nasty. It's just that it, that's how we are. We're just, you know, with that, that kind of chef that, okay, you can do that a bit better. <laughs> so do it this way. Even though it's the way that I showed you before, no, it's not, that's not quite right now. I'm doing it this way now. Is he, is he really passionate about the food that he's... Yeah, when he was younger, he was. He's an old man now, so I think he's quite happy for me to go in there, cook, and he just leaves me alone to it. But, you know, there was a time when sort of like, you know, especially New Year's. They knew, my dad's never been a big fan of Christmas, believe it or not. So, um, but New Year's, he always loved New Year's. And New Year's, he would always do the lobster with the glass noodles, you know, the steamed scallops and whatever else. And he would be in the kitchen for days prepping and then five hours cooking on the day. You know, so my dad's a slow but methodical cook nice. or chef. Lovely. Oh, that sounds great. Um, are there any like mis- misconceptions or are there any situations where you've seen people try and make this dish and done it a little bit wrong? Not really wrong. I've seen people try to speed up the process. Okay. And there are ways of speeding it up. But you just don't still, you, you don't get the results. You know, it's just some things you need to, you know, go through that whole process and it's a dish to be celebrated. It's not one of those dishes that you will think, you know what, I fancy Peking duck tonight. You've got to think about it. It's like it's Wednesday today. So let's just say it's Wednesday and I wanted it on Saturday. I'd have to start the preparation about now. Okay. So and it, it what's is one that? of those dishes. For, you said there's sort of a 48 hour, 24 hour, 48 hour lag. What's happening in those? Is it so, hands on time? Uh, yeah. So I mean, like, the, the, there's about 20 minutes, half hours worth of work as yeah. far as sort of like, you know, getting the skin away from the meat and then blanching the skin. A lot of it's drying time. Yeah. So to get that really crispy skin, you have to sort of like, you have to scold the meat, let it cool, then pop it in the fridge uncovered and the cold air will naturally dry out that skin. And the longer you can leave it in the fridge, the crispier your skin is going to be. That sounds great. So between 24 and 48 hours is yeah, fine. I, you know, ideally 48 hours. Yeah. You, you can do it in 24 hours, but you may, if you just spent, all of that time, wait the extra 24 hours and get perfect duck. Good, good. I did make one of my friends laugh and I was making a, a tart or something and it was one of my recipes and, and she was like, why are you looking up? It's your recipe. It's like, because I've written about 400 and I can't remember what exactly. I've done. Even when I do um, the shows, you know, when I'm doing Pat Lone Show this yeah. morning, um, I send them the recipe, but I always take a recipe sheet in with me yeah. because I just want to check it and I just want to go through the method because obviously... They're publishing that recipe. I've got to make sure that I do it to the letter because do you not find that you, as you get 
more comfortable in the kitchen. You become an instinctual cook, or you know, and you, everything's by instinct. So if if you put the ingredients in front of me, I wouldn't need to look at the recipe. I'd just say, okay, if I'm going to do a chow mein, I know that 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 and that and that's going in. And you know what? Today I fancy a bit of that in it because it's instinctual. Obviously, when you're teaching people to cook and you've written a recipe, they're you know they're saying, well, you didn't put sesame oil in it that time, or you didn't do this that time. That's because at the time I just I didn't need it today. I just don't fancy it today. And it's your you know you can make it your very own yeah, with your own flavors. Yeah. So yeah. So that's why I flick through my no, books. It's a different say, way. You know, and I get ideas. I might combine two recipes together. Uh, what about a weekend? Do you normally gather for a Sunday lunch together as a family, or do you get together on another day? Is that important to you? Sundays are the day that we get together as yeah. the Wan Clan or the One Clan. <laughs> uh, it's normally me cooking. So regardless whether it's my brother and sister, you know, because obviously my brother's in London, uh, my sister's on the other side of Leicester, and we kind of like get together at mum and dad's house. I normally arrive about. 11 o'clock in the morning and we eat about three o'clock and pretty much that five hours is me in the kitchen prepping a meal so and it normally to be quite honest everybody eats a sunday roast so it tends to be a sunday roast obviously there are little chinese twists there so you know so i always roast the carrots i always I always have rice and gravy um you told me about this last time yeah. that rice and gravy is rice it, and gravy. it's really it's good really i had it the other day i was like he's not messing around no. it's such a great no, combo it's a great combo isn't it it's yeah really i'm now like if i get you know i've got room for roast potatoes well, maybe i'll just do some rice <laughs> it's so nice <laughs> you can have roast potatoes and oh rice. yeah that's the rookie mistake and, Yorkshire <laughs> and parsnips yeah. the whole lot <laughs> but yeah but you're right rice and gravy is amazing yeah i'm i am coming around so yeah cool <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, are the kids interested in, in helping you or are you like, no, this is my area? Unfortunately for me, my children have been spoiled. So if you are listening to this baby, <laughs> daddy does love you, but you are lazy in the kitchen. <laughs> so, so what can I say? They've been spoiled. Yeah, they haven't got to worry about it because daddy's in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, they can crawl off the sofa dinner's ready and everybody's watching tv and this goes for all of them my mum always offers but i always feel guilty about saying because my mum's you know getting older as well now mm-hmm. and i said no it's all right i've got this you know and then like my brother turns up and my sister turns up and they're all like in the living room watching tv i'm sweating slugging away in the kitchen oh, no. but i don't do the pots oh okay so that's, that's the bo- okay the that's bonus good. is and I, you know yeah. i make as much mess as i can oh brilliant so, so yeah but i have spent five hours prepping and cooking but yeah no, so going back to the children, no, they don't help, unfortunately. But then that's my own fault because I, I should have been maybe stricter and said, come on, get in the kitchen and give dad a hand. Yeah, I love them too much. <laughs> okay, so I am now going to ask you some quick fire questions. Okay. I, oh, you've got, we've got serious now. Are you ready? <laughs> I've got a deeper voice today. So the first one is, what music do you cook to? Again, depending. Um if I'm cooking traditional Chinese food, now this is going to sound odd. Now, remember, I grew up in the 80s working in mom and dad's restaurant. At the time, and I know it's not 80s music, but mom and dad were listening to The Carpenters, Johnny Mathis. So when I put those particular songs on, I am automatically, I instantly transported back into the restaurant 1980s. It were, you know, working in the restaurant. And for me, it's quite therapeutic. If I'm just in the kitchen and I'm cooking, sometimes I like to listen to a bit of rock. So yeah, so it just depends on what I'm, what I'm cooking and what what's the, kind of like the flavour. I've got a very eclectic music range. Now, sometimes I like to listen to classical, other times it's heavy rock, mm. um, or like you say, the songs of the 70s and 80s. 
I like that you can be transported by that, like because then it's it's a really immersive experience because you've got the smell of the cooking and the sounds. I think that's yeah, hundred percent. And it, the house that I've just bought as well used to be the old restaurant, no and way. we're completely renovating it to be a, a residential home now. Oh, cool. Okay, uh, sorry. Great cheap eats restaurant, which could be a market or a pub or yeah, great place for cheap eats. Okay, then um, I'm. If I'm completely honest, at the moment, I'm a fish and chips guy. Yeah. So, um, and I'm loving my fish and chips. And I'm, because I'm losing weight and I've lost like over four stones so far, I'm trying not to do it on a regular basis. But for a cheapy, and it, I know it's not mega cheap now, but if you get the mini fish and chips because you're on a diet like I am, it's only like seven or eight quid. And you're getting a really good meal. And of course, you've got to have the Chinese curry sauce. Don't have your standard British curry sauce. Have the Chinese-style curry sauce. And find a chip shop that does it because it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's brilliant. It really is good. All right. Uh, something that's always in your fridge. Oyster sauce. Oyster sauce. And I keep oyster sauce in the fridge because it you know can go a bit mouldy if it sits on the shelf. And my oyster sauce is well used. And I even use it in gravy. Oh, right. So a little bit of oyster sauce in gravy, a little bit of soy sauce as well. Just adds a umami background. I've put soy so, sauce, but not oyster sauce. In the oyster sauce, yeah, try your sauce. And, okay, a bit more serious, uh, onto foodie confessions. Okay. What's your biggest cooking disaster? I don't know if I have one, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. Because I, you know, I pre- there's the, I've, as an experimental chef, because I write books, there are some recipes that don't work, okay. but give me two, two more attempts and I get them to work. But they're not mega wrong. They're just... Oh, that it needs tweaking out. So I wouldn't say that I've had, have I had like massive failures? It feels like the restaurant is quite a well-oiled machine in terms of you started yeah. a certain section and moved on. So it doesn't seem that there's much room. No, for... I, I can't remember actually having a mega disaster. A mega disaster we've had once is we used to have two massive Alsatians. Okay. And my mum would just cook this massive chicken and the dog got it. And that's no. to me, that's a disaster. <laughs> so, yeah, that is. And that was like the whole roast chicken gone for dinner. So no. we, we, were, we were vegetarians that day. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, that's they a, were thrilled, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. maybe told off. With, uh, yeah, it was either Lady or the and our dog being from a wan house. Her name was Podge because she was fat. And that's why we kept her. So, Podge. Um, a food you'd never tried. What haven't I tried? I'm having to really think now, guys, because I'm a 21-stone Chinese guy that eats his way around the world. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think, well, what have I not tried? Well, you're saying fish and chips. I was like, do you know what? I've never had a pickled egg. Have you not? I don't know why. I, I worked haven't. in a chip shop. Oh, I used right. to pickled eggs were just the snack. Of, <laughs> yes, you just like crisps. Be, be healthy and have a pickled <laughs> egg. So, or mushy peas. Uh, okay, food I haven't tried. I've, ate, I've eaten everything. Okay, and a guilty pleasure? At the moment, chocolate brownies. Yeah. Gluten-free chocolate brownies okay. as well. Make them with gluten-free flour. They are amazing because they're just they're just so gooey and big chunks of chocolate in the middle. They're amazing. And my mum's um, fruit cake. My mum makes the ama- amazing fruit cake and um, fruit cake with a slice of cheese. Oh yeah, great! And it's amazing. Oh, I keep using amazing. I've got to think of it. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> fruit cake and cheese anyway oh awesome thank you and it's been lovely to talk to you again and i can't wait to hear your recipe for race peking duck it's no gonna be great thank you for having me and it's so nice to be here with you and meet you face to face properly thanks for listening and don't forget you can listen to the bonus cook along episode coming soon for details see bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcasts see you next time